Hello. Hello. Welcome to Salem the Podcast. We are your hosts and favorite Salem tour guides. My name is Jeffrey Lilly. And I'm Sarah Black. And today we are bringing you games. Fun. I love games. Oh, me too. <laughs> and in particular, the game company and the game that saved Salem. Monopoly. And the Parker Brothers. Parker Brothers. So they've like, they're responsible for a lot of our household games. Like Sorry. Yep. Played Sorry a lot growing up. Um, we weren't allowed to play Sorry. Got too too much in, uh, competitiveness in, in that household. House, one of my brothers got a little unhappy. Oh. Yeah. A little frustrated. Well, that's the name of the game. It's the name sorry. of the game, right? But like four boys and all of a sudden like, oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. <laughs> and then the board and the baba things are hitting this. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Sorry was taken away from us. Uh, I think Monopoly was also taken away from us. That was a Christmas day or Christmas Eve staple yeah. growing up at my grandma's house. Everyone would get around and freaking go for hours. Hours. No, we weren't allowed. Risk is another one. I love Risk. I've I played am- some. We should play Risk. I've played I some would like 12 hour games love of Risk. To take you down in <laughs> Risk. <laughs> With a game of world domination. I was taught Risk within the last couple of years. Uh-huh. And it was by a fella that I was seeing. And I beat him. On, and he had been playing for years. I beat him on the second time we played. Oh. Like, I mean, hey, that's how world domination goes. Oh, yeah. Sometimes you get the right country, sometimes you get the right allies. And sometimes you just make the right decisions. Yeah. Strategy. Yeah. Success. Australia. We'll have to. <laughs> oh, I do love Australia. <laughs> uh, risk um, the Ouija board, which yeah, we've yeah. talked about before. We'll talk a little bit more about today. And uh, that, and Clue, of course. Yes, yes. So those are just to name a few. But like way, way, way more than that. Like we're talking hundreds. Yeah. Uh, uh, Scrabble, Toggle, Nerf. Nerf comes way later. Ping Pong. I did not know that. Ping pong. Oh, another Christmas staple. Like. So, I mean, it's no surprise. Hundreds of games. The company yeah. itself was founded nearly 150 years ago. And the founder was born right here in Salem. Yeah. And the factories were right here in Salem. And some of our local listeners probably live in the apartments built right on top of where those factories used to sit. So I think this is going to be a super fun episode. Uh, It's very relevant to our modern history because I bet there are people that live in town today that remember that time. I can guarantee you there's people who worked there. Yes. Oh my gosh. I I don't don't know that for certain, but I would would place money on it. Oh, 100%. I, yeah. Uh, yeah. Or at least their kids or like my parents, you know, my, my dad worked the Parker Brothers factory for 40 years or something. But yeah. anyway, before we <laughs> before we dive too far in, yeah. qu- quick tour time. Cool. Cool. What do you got? Oh, man, I had a weird night. Okay. Um, this okay. is this was wild. Okay. I was like accosted on the street. So like, like nicely or no. Like, no? Okay. Am I using that word correctly? That's I mean, like, sometimes you could be like, oh. No, okay. like, like insulted, oh, yelled at, oh. screamed at. We've talked about how, and I mentioned on the last episode, you don't know what you're going to run into on the streets, right. especially as the uh, this time of year rolls in, the streets are, they're heating up a little bit. Yeah. And I was standing uh, 
right next to the Bewitched statue, and we were talking about Samantha from Bewitched and uh, Lori Cabot coming in, of and course. you know all that jazz. And there's this woman who is walking down the sidewalk, and she's like, ma- at first she's making these very weird guttural. I don't want to do it. No, no, it's, you don't have to. It's okay. Thank you. Um, <laughs> these like weird growling yells um, at who I thought was like people that she knew. Okay. At, at, across the street. And then she starts coming down towards us. And I'm like, she's just a passerby. She did pass on by. Nope, she didn't. And she starts making these guttural noises at us. And she heard me say the word witch because we're talking about bewitched. And she starts yelling at us. And she's like, I am a witch. I am a witch. Then she called me. And if you got little ones around, just FYI, I'm dropping the W word. Uh, It's not a bad word necessarily. She called me a whore. Oh. She's like, you dirty whore. And I'm like, what is happening right now? I'm in the middle of the bewitched intersection my poor participants i had these two folks from ohio and they you could tell they were not used to like we have a small town there's not that much going on on the streets but like i mean i can (laughs) i can tell that they were not used to this yeah um so they were mortified and i'm just like you know it's just the streets of salem it's september Got some wild people out there. Yeah, she was she was wild. I've actually heard some recent reports from other tour guides being uh, like yelled at or charged in the streets. Yeah, so it's um it can get a little dangerous out there. Keep my ears open. Yep, and yeah. your eyes. I think the, the really the only ever accosting I get is uh, by some. Uh, uh, Marijuana smoke. Really? What? You, you, I mean, sometimes. You just walk through Yeah, a I don't know it. where it comes from. Yeah. <laughs> it's just there. <laughs> right? And then you always get like one or two people in the group. They're like, like what? Is, it, is it legal here? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it is. You're not I, supposed to. I mean, smoke it everywhere. I to, Today, yeah, we're starting my tour and it's like on the road. And there's like, so the farmer's market was closing and there was like some traffic and the guy was in the car smoking. So, ah, like, so it just, and it's just like, like, as, it's just like <laughs> permeated out. So that's really the only thing I ever get accosted with. But uh, I'm I sorry hope that we're using some, that word right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. I feel like. Oh, oh shout out to, um, there was which city walking tours walked by, right? As it finished up the craziness and, um. Don't know the guide's name. She's a woman, dark brunette hair. She usually does the murder mystery tour. I've seen her out a lot. Don't know her name, but thank you. She's like, are you okay? Are you oh, okay? She nice. like checked in. I was like, that's so nice. Like yeah. tour guides having each other's back, making sure we're all good. So most. Yeah, I got real thick skin after doing yeah. this for five years. So was it? I'm, I'm going to screw this up because I can't keep anything straight in my head. Sarah, good. Yeah. Who was called a dirty slut? Okay, yeah, yeah, you nasty slut. Nasty, you na- we yeah we yeah, just yeah, talked we just about did, this. Right? Yep. So, hey, you know, I mean, it's, it's not. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. I'll I- wear it with a badge <laughs> of honor. Ugh. Uh, people. But you never know, right? Sometimes people are are nice and friendly. I got a I got an email from uh the uh, the gentleman who I had a little conversation with last couple weeks ago. Remember the briefcase incident. 
the briefcase. Oh, yes. Yeah, no yeah, way. Yeah. He, no way. <laughs> yeah. He reached out to yeah, you. Yeah. Oh, my so, gosh. <laughs> he's like, I'm, oh, I'm so sorry. That's hilarious. And I respond. I that's was so like, sweet. I'm sorry because I didn't that's mean to so do that. That's so funny. Yeah. So thanks, Michael. Appreciate you guys. Oh, his name's, thanks, yeah. Michael. <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. So, hey, sometimes it can be nice and friendly and sometimes it cannot. Yep. Yeah. Whatever you that was. Never know what you're going to get. Life's like a box of chocolates. So is the fucking streets of Salem. Touche. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's and sometimes it's dog poop. <laughs> yep. Oh, my God. One shat right behind me was oh. I was at a stop the other day. So Love nice. when that happens. Yeah. You're like, oh. oh we saw a skunk tonight. Oh. We were like... In the memorial, maybe five feet away from it, they all freaked out. I was like, don't worry, we're, we're fine. Maybe, maybe it was running from the coyote. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. All the wildlife and all the wild people. <laughs> Sometimes all together. <laughs> uh, I, uh, got, I got nothing, though, so I had a, I had a pretty good week. There was no – I had, had a bunch of listeners on, so shout out to, to everyone who comes up and, and gave away some stickers. And, Heck uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So remember, what's in my briefcase? Stickers of nudes, historic yeah. nudes. Historic nudes. Uh, <sighs> so, tell me about George, Georgie boy. George, George Parker. <laughs> so, today we are going to be talking about the Parker Brothers, mm-hmm. the company. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about their history, the founder, some of the games, and the company's ties to Salem. Mm-hmm. We've talked about the Parker brothers a couple times before in like previous episodes, Captain White's murder. Yep. Remember, yep. was it their great grandfather? I think it's, I think it's three great grand uncle. Sure. Great. Great. Maybe very... two great grand uncle. Are you sure? I really thought it was their like great grandfather. I think it was uncle. I don't think so. Oh, we'll have to double check on this, but he was supposed to be the judge. Yes. At the court First trial. Yeah, the, the trial with Daniel Webster. I mean, I mean he and, was he was the judge, and then he died. And then he died, like yeah. days into so, it. So we needed we had a uh, mistrial, hung jury. Uh, so then you have to retry the case, and then the judge dies. Yes, and there are those very, 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 very loose ties. Like some people make the argument, I do, that they you know have this murder in the back of their mind and maybe they're inspired to bring it here to Salem. Yeah, that's what I say. I'm like, and do we know clue. that for certain? No. Do I like to think that? Yes. See, I appreciate that. Yeah. And then also it came up in Martha Brailsford's uh, episode. Remember Tom Mimoni? Yes. The skid mark. That is Tom Mimoni. Bastard murderer. He worked at the Parker Brothers. Yeah. Not yeah. for long though. He didn't do anything for long. He was a grifter, <laughs> as, as they say. Oh, that was a great episode. And I think we've just talked about it like in general, just like. It comes up all the time. Yeah. yeah. All the time. Um, it's one of those sort of secret staples of Salem. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure if you've taken a walking tour in town, you've probably heard about it at I, one point or another. I don't know. I feel like it's one of those things that is so very important, but so often overlooked. Like it's like just breezed over. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's really no physical footprint of it. True. And then you have to, and then it's like a little difficult to talk. And it's so far away from where most walking tours go. Like, oh, that's the factory. And to be fair, most people today don't have any direct experience. I say most, that's not true. Um, 
When you say Parker Brothers, it doesn't really excite people. When you say Monopoly, Clue, that yeah, stuff, yeah. It, so, it really rings a bell. Yeah, and like the history of the, it's it's a, it's not a surface level conversation. Yeah. Right, especially since the company doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. So. I think it's notable though. Yeah, absolutely. Notable for like Salem, especially in its contemporary history. But we're actually going all the way back to the 1800s with yes. this one. Yes, yes. Uh, so... The company was founded in 1883 by George Swinnerton Parker. George Swinnerton Parker. I love that name so much. I wish he was like the third. Oh, it would make it even better. How does that get better? Add a third. Yeah. But he was born right here in Salem on December 12th. 1866. So do you want to, can you do the math for me real I quick? I literally wrote that in my notes. In my notes. If you're doing some quick <laughs> math here, found in 83... Born in 66, dude was only 16 when he published his first game. Yeah. That's so crazy. I had to read that like three times. I was like, what? Like I kept trying. So obviously they don't have access to the things that we have access to. Like the internet. Like technology. We can just download tens of millions of games on our phones to keep us entertained until the day we die. Not to mention like the online streaming gaming platforms. Not to mention the board games that are out there today. Not to mention like, and like the the quickness is how they're produced. Yeah. Like it's nonstop. And like we can go to the Willows Arcade. We can play on our phones. We can play on our laptops. We can play on our TVs. We can play with people on the other side of the world. And so like we have access to games. Like it's, I mean, it, it's genuinely, I, I can't. It's it is too. It's big. everywhere. Yeah, but this is. 1883 and they didn't <laughs> No. so if you're just bored sitting with your brothers or your friends i'm sure you're gonna come up with like stuff to keep you entertained but even though i feel like probably most people did most people didn't do what he did no he took it and he created a business out of it yeah he had an entrepreneurial mindset yeah from at, the get-go like at the age of 16 and it's not like he stopped with that game like he was the main creator behind most of the early games of the company Mm -hmm. like it was like it was his thing you know his skill can you imagine that's your job you create games there's game game developing is a oh my gosh it is yeah of course it is (laughs) but like back in the 1880s i feel like most people would have like did a double take like what do you do oh i i make board games so few, few and far between you know because there really wasn't many competitors like no. at all. There's like one ish, like, but that's we'll probably get to that. But yeah, he he kicks it off himself. So real quick, he was born on December twelfth. He's a Sagittarius. I actually remembered to look this up this time. Oh, I didn't. Read, I, thought, I thought we only were doing it for witch trials. Why would we? Why would we to discriminate? I don't know. Tell I me guess, what, look up some Sagittarius traits. Oh, uh, I don't know. Just um, grab the first one that comes on Google. What am I doing? Sagittarius. Sagitt- that's my brother. The one who threw the game boards around the room. Mm-hmm. So. <clears throat> the final fire sign of the Zodiac. Sagittarius traits are unlike any other sign of the Zodiac. Whoa. They're totally unique to this brazen spirit. That's what it says. Um, I'm trying to find a list. It's brazen. Uh, gosh, this just I ads, just go to Google ads, Images. So many ads, ads everywhere. Go to Google Images and just look at a chart. Oh, that's a good, okay. 
charming, adventurous, independent, blunt, <laughs> impatient, and impulsive. Oh. Fair. Most compatible, Aries, Leo, and other Sagittarii. Does it really say that? No. Sagittarii? Oh, it no. says Sagittarius. <laughs> For Sagittarius, it sounded good. That's good. I did. I like it. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, so he was um, very bold. Yeah. He was definitely very bold in his uh, pursuit for success. It's like he hit the ground running and never stopped. And I also like how he had like a mindset, right? Like it was creativity and it was driven and it was like sort of games can be games for fun. Games don't just have to be like educational in nature. Like you can like... I want to play a game because not like, oh, well, this will teach you, et cetera. And like some do, you know. Right. But it's like the point is to to have fun. Well, he's coming in at the right time. Like with the Industrial Revolution, A, it's going to be easier to, to mass produce games. Mm-hmm. And B, people, because of mass production and just like the ease of everyday life, it's getting easier. You have a little they more free time. Ha- exactly. There's more leisure time. Yeah. So the game market, it is going to start uh, ticking up. Which is also, well, we'll get to Monopoly. but Oh, yeah, that's decades later. So that first game, though, when he's 16, it's called Banking. <laughs> so many finance games in this. I know. So it is, quote, a card game in which players borrowed money from the bank and tried to generate wealth by guessing how well they could do. There were 160 cards with foretold successes and failures. You get to get to play it being a banker. So it was just strictly card games yeah, to start. Yeah. So keep that in mind. No board games yet. I guess. He, so he played it with his brothers first. Mm-hmm. And they were like, dude, this is cool. You need to like do something with this. Publish it. Yeah. And it was the urging of his friends and family that really made him take that next step. Yeah. At first, two game producers in Boston rejected him. I love, that's one of my most favorite things about any success story. Oh, when they're rejected it? Because, oh, they're always. You are always, always, like, for everyone listening, you're always always rejected. Everyone. And so he gets rejected. And then he's like, fine, I'll self finance it. Boom. And that was a good decision. And then I just like, can you imagine the game developers in Boston like five years later being like, well, five, <laughs> 10, 15 years later. Right. So he spent $40 on manufacturing 500 sets of banking and sold all but two dozen. Um, $40 back then equals out to about 1200 today. So it's a nice chunk of change mm-hmm. to take a gamble on. Yeah. <laughs> gamble. <laughs> um, and he ended up with a profit of $100. So that's that's nice. That's a that's a good good start. Yep. And he goes from there. Yeah, that's just the beginning. Yeah. So it started as not Parker Brothers, but GOS Parker and Company. I'm really glad they ended up changing the name because that does not roll off the tongue. George S. Parker Company. Yeah. Yeah. But then and oh, this- also also in Medford, <laughs> yeah. Massachusetts. Yeah. So he's born here, but then moves there and then moves back here. And starts the company in Medford. So yeah. shout out to Medford. I uh, I also appreciate how he saw where he was lacking in skill and brought his brothers in who he saw the skill strength that they had. 
And he's like, I'm not good. He's like, I like to play games. Mm -hmm. He's like, oh, the banking stuff. He's like, I'm not good at that. And he's like, hey, bro. Come help me out with this. Help me out with this. Yeah. Yeah. And keep in mind, it's very much the era of the family business. Like Mm -hmm. we still have family businesses now, but back then, you definitely kept it in the family. So it was in 88 that it changed the Parker Brothers. But not before he published a couple other games. So he moved the company to Salem in 1885, published four more card games, and then in 1886 is when George's brother, Charles, joined the business. Third brother, Edward, joins after him, and they call it Parker Brothers. And they all have great names, by the way. (coughs) George Swinnerton Parker, Charles Hanford Parker. Hanford Fart? Charles Hanford Parker and Edward Hedgeman Parker. Hedgeman. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Victorian names, man. Can't beat them. So there you go. Those are the Parker brothers. But I'd say George is like at the top. George is like the brother. He's like the guy. Yeah. Because he's he's the designer. He's the developer. He's the mind behind it. He's like, you know, and and the other brothers are like, okay. Along for the ride. Yeah. Essential, but also along for the ride. So for many years after establishing the company, George, as I said, was the one designing the games himself. Several were based on current events. Yeah, I really liked I, uh, their sort of very pop culture of the day, right? So Which is weird for us to say yeah, that yeah. now, but so like that is technically yeah. popular culture. It is created right. just in the back then. So the stuff that was cool to do then, they just jumped on those bandwagons and made games, which like, I I don't, it doesn't happen as much today. Um, maybe just because like our news cycle is like so, so fast, so fast that we don't have time. Like we're done in weeks with, with a story. Right. But they have a story. I'm sure you're like hear, hearing about it downtown. You're, mm-hmm. you're talking about it's on the newspapers. Da, da, da. And then all of a sudden there's the game that you can go and buy. And so you can make, you can then be part of that experience, the, the cultural zeitgeist, and yep. I was like, "That is, that's the the um, Klondike Gold Rush one." Yeah, that's the one that was, stuck out for me. Yeah, yep, based on the Alaskan Gold Rush. Yeah, which was happening around them. So, like the late eighteen hundreds, of course, we discovered we someone discovered gold in Alaska, and then all of a sudden you have that gold. So it's all over the papers, all over the news, and now you're sitting at home getting to play the Klondike Gold Rush game. And like being part of, you're not in Alaska, not yeah. panning, but you can still be part of that. And right. like that's genius. It's so cool. It's, it's so smart. And like the ability to, to see that, to so, pick that out, to make the game and then to get it at, you're like, Phew. and not just once, but like. Over and over again. They had the formula down pat. Dozens and dozens. I was going through a list and I just. I just lost track of like all the names. I was like this one and that one and this one and that one and, and all these other games. You're like, this is crazy. Yeah, they produced, a, but you think about it, like you buy, you have return customers. You yeah, just want to put a yeah. new one out, new one out, new one out. So at this point, they're doing card games. They're doing mm-hmm. board games. Mm-hmm. One of the big popular card games that he first comes out with after this or in the early 1900s is Rook. Yes, 1906. Yeah, which I did. most successful card game to date. Yeah. Do, do you know why they made it? Did you did you look at yes, that? Yes, I did. 
dude. I, I saw it. Okay, so first, must I say, I was super excited when I started reading this because I was like, I was reading stuff about like a Trump and like taking out lower cards. And I was like, oh my God, this is for all my Midwesterners out there, especially my Michiganders. It's like, oh, is this that card game you keep? Yeah, t- I was oh. like, oh my God, is this where Euchre came from? No, it's not. Because Euchre is played with like all face cards. Like you take out the bottom cards and you have the, I think you have the 10. Yeah, you have the 10, Jack, Queen, King, Ace. Oh God. Whereas this, that would just be offensive to these that would people. Be so <laughs> oh my God, you couldn't, you, you, you oh, Sarah, the scandal. I, again, had to do a double take on this one. Do you want to tell them? Sure. So Rook is basically a deck of cards plus a little bit. But instead of face cards, they just continue with the numbers. So ace is now one, jack is now uh, 11, queen 12, king 13. Uh, then they add to 14 and uh, the jokers. I think you end up with 100 and I'm not looking at it. I want to say 116, but that's just off the top of my head. Something I looked like at that. it once. Also, they changed the suits the out suits. Yeah. for red, yellow, green, and black. Yeah. Because the face cards... No, it wouldn't be 116, because like 14 times 4, right? Plus a couple? Uh, f- f- 57. Okay, there we go. <laughs> you, you doubled it. You doubled I just it. doubled it. Pretty much, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. So 57 cards instead of uh, the, the, the standard. But why did they take the face cards out? Because that was for gambling and degenerates. And it was offensive to the Mennonite culture... And the quote Puritans, Puritans. tradition. Puritan oh. were there pure like I, don't I guess think so. I don't know when they kind of I mean people ask me this all the time if there are Puritans still no. out there. There yeah, you say that. One of the tour guides in town had a Puritan on tour like a couple years ago. Obviously, they're a lot different now. The 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 face has changed with the <laughs> Yeah, so basically fortune telling and gambling was associated with the face cards and so they and the suits so they take out the suits and they take out the face cards and so now you have a deck of just colors and numbers which is exactly the same thing it made me think of uno (laughs) (laughs) also this is wicked smart because again his genius in the field not only can they play the specific game rook but they can play any number of games with this deck with the cards that don't have the faces on them right yeah so that then becomes sort of more morally stable and that's one of the reasons that it does so good yeah it becomes a household staple yeah crazy (laughs) so wild uh and then came monopoly a little while later. Well, I mean, yeah. Decade, before. Decades later. Arguably before. Oh, well, yes. If you want to, do you want to get it? Oh, did you dive into it? I wasn't sure if you were going to. Like a little bit. Oh, I did. Do, do you want Do you want to hit me? Sure. Okay. So this is published in 1935 by the Parker Brothers in the midst of the Great Depression and was so successful that they had a hard time keeping up with demand. Um, at one point, they were producing 20,000 games a week. Yeah, which um, is... Ex- I can't even fathom that much back then. And like, reading reading all about it, and I read about, like, the impact and, like, the Great Depression have a lot of money, right? But if you buy the game for a couple dollars, then you can play it over. It, it, it has a, a return, a very, very high return on investment. Like, you just keep playing it, keep right. playing it. And also because of the 
a dynamic construct of the game Monopoly where you can win, you can lose. It's always so different. Yeah. There's, it's, it's not like a game of chess or chess, which you can get better at or like sorry or like, you know, something like that. But it is, it is a very dynamic situation. And also, <laughs> and I hated every time I read this, it drove me like a little bit off the wall. Was that like you could pretend like you had money? I was just going to say that. That's, yeah. In a time where money is scarce, you had a, a moment to fantasize. Yeah. It was an escape, yeah. I'm sure, for a lot of people. Yeah. But where did Monopoly really come from, Sarah? Oh, I was so excited to see this. <laughs> it was created by a woman. Yes, it was. Oh, So it was not created by anyone at the Parker Brothers. Um, not any of the Parker brothers themselves, mm -hmm. but a woman by the name of Elizabeth Maggie in 1903. So before Rook. Decades before the Monopoly game came out. Yeah. Um, so obviously this is especially notable because this is a time where women weren't accepted in the world of finance, mm -hmm. money management, investment. Like that was a man's thing. But Lizzie, as she is called, designed it in hopes of explaining the single tax theory of Henry George. Now, this sent me through <laughs> a couple loops because, like, philosophy is rough. I am not a big fan of philosophy. Um, but it was meant to basically show the negative effects of private monopolies. So... <laughs> <laughs> Fuck capitalism. I was going to say. Yeah. Some, it's so funny that this is coming up right now because someone just the other day on tour was talking about the Parker Brothers. I mentioned Monopoly. And he goes, you know why Monopoly was made, right? And I was like, to entertain during the Depression. And he's like, to show how shitty capitalism is. And I was like, what? I mean, like, it makes sense because you lose usually and it's really frustrating yeah, and yeah. horrible. But like, I personally, I enjoy it. But yo, he just said that. And I was like, wow, this is weird. It's coming up right now too. So Henry George was a philosopher um, from the early to mid 1800s. And he created something called Georgism um, or geoism, as it is called in modern day. It's basically the belief that people, quote, the belief that people should own the value they produce themselves, the economic value of land, including natural resources, should belong equally to all members of society. George famously argued that a single tax on land values would create a more productive and just society. She self-published it and titled it The Landlord's Game. Mm -hmm. So it's a little tricky to understand, <clears throat> but basically people owning the land and making money off of it and then continuing to purchase that land and making more money off of it at the expense of the underlings, that's bad. And that's what you see in Monopoly. But somehow they make it fun. It's what we see today. It's wild how full circle this is. I've like, and I don't know if you've ever done it, because you. I live in an old Victorian house, and so do you, that's been since carved into apartments. Yes. But Oh, done the math of how much it adds up to, yeah. Every month, how much my landlord makes. Yeah. It's, of it's, course I've done that math. It's disgusting. Oh, it's insane. Yeah, it's so relevant to today, like what we are talking about. Yeah, yeah. 
And I'm sure we all still, I'm, I'm sitting next to a Monopoly game right here. <laughs> I was going to say, we sure all probably have Monopoly games. I have a Salemopoly. Yes, we are. We'll, oh, I get you. We'll, we'll be playing that over the winter. Yeah. So yeah. there are Monopoly boards out there. There's tons of them at this so, point. So yeah, one of the cool things, uh, and I guess this is sort of on par with the Parker Brothers tradition, is that now we have, you can get like Game of Thrones Monopoly and Salem. You can get Boston. You can get Red Sox. You can get Star Wars. You can get it's Titanic. So cool. You can get whatever. You can the, get Titanic. I don't know. I, I'm just saying. I'm just. If what, they don't have that, they better make right? it. <laughs> but whatever the cool thing is, you inevitably are going to be able to buy a Monopoly board of, of, yep. of that thing. Yeah. It's so great. Uh, so, well, that first one, the first ever mm-hmm. rendition of what we know as Monopoly, called The Landlord's Game. Not as cool of a title, in my opinion. Kind of sad that maybe that's just how I feel about my landlords. I think Landlord would have been a fine title. Just Landlord. Yeah. I like that. That's edgy. Yeah. She created two sets of rules, one that was anti-monopolist, where you were rewarded when wealth was created, and one that was monopolist, in which the goal was to create monopolies and crush opponents. Which I feel like is how we play it now. So when George first got his hands on it, he I think he thought that the it was too complicated. Yes. He's like, this is too much. Two sets of rules. And he gets rid of the first set of rules. Uh, sort of seeing the value in the competitive spirit of, of that and, and seeing the... Again, given the time. So 1903 is a very different time than 1935. Mm-hmm. So we can see how maybe 1903, that sort of little bit, you know, it's, it's even before World War One, right? Yeah. Like we are turn of the century. A little very, bit more optimistic. Yeah, yeah. Post-Civil War, you turn of, you know, 1900s. Like, Industrial Revolution. Yeah, and that's very different than 1935, post-stock market crash and everything like that, so. Yeah, you need that competitive spirit to go three to ten hours. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so she had originally patented that game in 1904, but of course other renditions are going to come out. People all over the place were creating their own version and trying to produce it. Um, so several variations, eventually cardboard little houses were added, and then she took out another patent in 1923. Nine years later, so 30 years after the original rendition, we see the first official Monopoly. It wasn't published by the Parker Brothers, though. It was Charles Darrow who found himself inspired after playing the landlord's game. Parker Brothers purchased the rights to Darrow's game in 1935, did what you said, scrapped the other rules, mm-hmm. made it a little bit simpler. Um, but I appreciate this. After discovering that Darrow was not the sole creator, Yes, they did go purchase the original patent from Lizzie. For $500? Yes, which is a pretty penny back then. That's no, yeah, that's good. I mean, nothing compared to what they're going to make, though. Yeah, 20,000 a a a week. week. 20,000 games a week. So I feel like, obviously, the popularity of these finance games were uh, very high. Yeah. Multiple 
variations are coming out, but no one had the capability to produce them like Mm -hmm. the Parker brothers or advertise for them like the Parker brothers. So he saw, again, he saw an opening in the market and then took it. Although I will say, I guess not really because he did reject it at first, but. Oh, I mean the first, yeah, yeah, they. They didn't think it would do well. Yeah. And then they, wait, they waited a year and then put it out again or something. Yeah. So you said advertising, right? I uh, read something when reading about them that he was one of the first people to advertise his games in magazines. I could see that. Right. And this is like post, this is like when the company's first getting started, like 80, uh, 1880s, 1890s. Oh, I love those old ads. And, and I'm sitting here going, he's advertising for his games in these magazines at the same time that Daniel Lowe is advertising like for the him, witch spoon for and the spoon. shit. Yeah. Oh my gosh. They were oh. contemporaries. Oh, I love that. It's so weird, right? We didn't, yeah, we totally didn't drop uh, George Swinnerton Parker into yeah, Salem yeah. history, but yes, he's walking the streets with Daniel Lowe. I bet they were friends. Uh, I mean, he was young, maybe, but Daniel, he was a little older, maybe Daniel Lowe Jr., right? The one who goes over to Germany. Okay. And comes back, maybe. It's cool to think about. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They at least knew each other. Yeah. Entrepreneurial yeah. spirit. Yeah. One's making spo- silver spoons. One's making board games. I can see him crossing on Essex Street and like tipping their hats at each other. Right. Oh, so crazy to think about. But I, I, so I was so excited to hear that Elizabeth Maggie was the one that originally created, you know, this type of game. Yeah. Obviously, it's not the same exact game. It changed over the course of several decades, different people, but the concept is there and she deserves credit for it. Although they don't give her all the credit, they do name Darrow as the creator of the game officially, if you look. So, but they paid her for the patent. Do you want to talk about the coolest thing about Monopoly? Sure. What's the coolest thing? That, that it was u- what in World War II. Did you see this? I don't think so. It was used, uh, so within the Geneva Convention. Uh, no, pr- I did not see this. <laughs> uh, prisoners of war are allowed th- some things, right? And sort of entertainment and games is like in a, in a small, you're not allowed like an Xbox, but like a deck of cards, right? Something so that you're not like going crazy. Uh-huh. And uh, Monopoly uh, was a game that they that the British uh, would send over to the prisoners of war in Germany. But the uh, MI6, so the British intelligence, had gotten hold of Monopoly and squirreled away different tools and weapons and things into the game. They used to send contraband through Monopoly games. Yep, yep. So a couple things and maps so they could... uh, So it was actually more Waddington's than Parker Brothers because that's the British company, right? Yeah. They could print on silk which is different than paper and cardboard. So there'd be like a hidden map. So you'd get the board, right? Which would have like the monopoly thing. And then you'd like wet it and soak it and the paper would like dissolve. And then you'd have like a map on where you were and how to get out. There'd be like real money. So they'd send like German money and like Polish and like Frank French Franks, like under like lined the the thing. And then like compasses and like, like small, like little. Yeah. So that it looks like a board. Yeah. So if, if you went through it quickly, you wouldn't notice. That's so crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. (laughs) And, you know, sort of historians estimate that, uh, by smuggling contraband monopoly, uh, it probably helped like thousands of, of prisoners of war escape during world war two. (laughs) 
<laughs> that is so epic. I was like, I'm sorry, what? I had no idea. Yeah. But of no course, it's idea. more Waddingtons than Parker Brothers because it was MI6, not uh, American Intelligence, which is obviously the partner company. Yeah. Still freaking yeah. cool, though. Yeah. Wow. Well, hot damn. Yeah. Another another big game we got to talk about. Can you give us a brief history of Cluedo? Hold on. Can we back up to 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 the 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 the, the Monopoly real quick? Sure. Did did we say that it is generally considered to like have saved Salem? Um, I don't think we've ever mentioned that before. Okay. Yeah. It, obviously, the the money that was coming in, they started to expand. Yeah. The Parker Brothers, like factory buildings were going up left and right. Yeah. They went from two to like 10 uh, and employed hundreds of workers. So during the Great Depression. In town. You have hundreds of people in Salem. And they had like two other factories and like other, in the one in New York, somewhere else, mm-hmm. like being employed by this game company, like keeping the, economics of Salem like like a float it was no one was hiring but the Parker brothers was hiring yeah, yeah because of the success of Monopoly in the in the height of the Great Depression so it really it saved the Parker brothers and it saved Salem which is pretty neat so cool yeah so we should probably talk about one other game oh, a little in depth yeah clue or Cluedo Cluedo as it is known in England yes um, your land <laughs> thank you um <laughs> So contrary to uh, popular legend, Salem legend. So I, I also. <clears throat> this is the first. This is one of my first Salem memories is hearing on a walking tour how Clue was derived from Salem to the point where that yellow house, the crowning shield house yes. next to the Gardner Pingree was where the inspiration from Colonel Mustard came from because it's mustard colored. That story stuck with me for <laughs> over a decade, oh. decade and a half. I, I Have you ever told me that? I'm not sure. I feel like I have mentioned must, it at some yeah. point. And the, that uh, Mrs. Peacock was uh, based on the Peabody family. No, I don't think I knew that. Yeah, this is no, it's not real. No, 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 but no. Like, I, I don't think I knew that. This is stuff that, that, that I was told, and so. it was so cool to hear. And like Mrs. White, based on Joseph White, who was murdered. It's just ah, uh, and I was like, oh, it all makes sense, but no. And and the tunnels. Oh, I didn't even think they didn't say that. Oh, okay, I'd heard that, and like that's it, interesting. Well, because obviously there's secret. Oh my god. Oh my god! Oh my god! I forgot to. Oh, do you have a tunnel tangent? Tunnel I, tangent. I have, I have a tunnel tangent. Tunnel tangent. Oh, I'm sorry, I forgot. Oh, okay. just say it. Get it over with. So quickly. I'm walking uh, Derby past uh, uh, Whimsy, and I hear this tour guide coming down like the behind Nocturne Whimsy alleyway, right? Mm-hmm. Heading towards the stairs, of the old town hall, and I and I did, I pause, and he's very well spoken, uh, slight British accent. I have no idea who he works for. Older gentleman. And he's talking about the Derby family and Derby Square. And he talked about Elias Haskett Derby being a ship captain, which gave me pause. Uh, and then... Uh, he was in charge of a lot of ship captains. <laughs> and then he continued to talk about how after uh, the 
patriarch being Derby of the family died. The family fell into ruin and they lost all their money and the court forced them to sell the look on your face and they were forced to sell the house. And, you know, they, they, they had the, the, the city then took the land and then they built the town hall and they used the bricks from his house to build the town hall. Whoa. And, and, and then he's like, oh, and this street over here is front street. I was like, okay, well, and he's like, and that's where the waterfront came from. He's like, so this is where the tunnels would end. Oh, no, like, it's like, oh, the cherry fuck. on top. I'm like, here we that's go. So... And he's like, so when we were down by the waterfront, by the customs house, I told you that the tunnels were dug into the land. They came all the way up here. And that's how these people became so rich is because they would just smuggle all of their goods through the tunnels and they'd never have to pay any taxes on them. Oh. Salem was an <laughs> anti-tax city and he off on like another little tangent and then some woman like asked a question uh, about that and he's like yes and th- there was a there's a sewer grate it's like, that's the entrance he says he's like and i don't normally do this on my oh god he didn't take him in the sewer no did no, he? no 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 <laughs> um oh sorry sorry she asked she oh sorry she asked if there was any tunnel tours oh my god and he's like no the city doesn't allow it anymore he's like but there was a book published and there used to be tunnel tours and he's like and then he points to sewer grain he's like actually you know legend has it that some of the many of the smugglers died in the tunnels and you can still hear them screaming out of these tu- out of these grates late at night and i'm that's like that's just the rats I'm <laughs> like, oh my what god oh i can't i can't believe you stood there for that <laughs> I, I just i just didn't know what's out oh <laughs> that's that would have been speechless uh, yeah totally I was, speechless i just I just, how do you, what do you even? Well, I hope they were entertained. They seemed entertained. I'm sure they were. I didn't know what to say. Wow, just, that that was a worthy tunnel tangent. Yes, I that can't was, believe I that was great. That. <laughs> nice little intermission there. But anyway, in the board game Clue, there's the secret tunnel. Oh, yes. So, so that's where the tunnel so that, came that's <laughs> the, the secret tunnel in Clue is there because the secret tunnel's in Salem, which is what I heard. I had never heard that. That's ridiculous. All of it's ridiculous, but that's, I think, most ridiculous. Now, if you Google uh, Clue, Clue Mansion, Parker Brothers, Clue, Salem, right? It, many of the articles that come up do not direct you to the Gardner Pingree house. Uh Uh-uh. They direct you to the Parker Brothers retirement. It's not the right word. Uh, family home. It's like a cottage. Not, but it, it's, it's large. It's but like lo- in in Peterborough, New Hampshire. Not so even here. It's not even here. So they bought a house in Peterborough, um, the same year that Clue comes out, nineteen forty nine. And it supposedly has a similar layout. It's yeah. like look at the house. It doesn't at all. No. Like, I saw the outside. I was like, are are they sure? I like, are you smoking crack? Like it's, it's a gorgeous colonial farm style house, which means it's like the main and then there's another thing and then there's another thing and then there's another thing. It's like this like UL shaped structure. It's very pretty. It looked gorgeous. The land it's on is gorgeous. But I find it very, very hard to believe that that had anything to do with it. Anything. Yeah. And some of the articles like one was about the guy who lives there. I don't, I can't remember when the article was dated. But like lived there and he's like, and this is like where George Parker like invented Clue. No. And then plus we know that he didn't invent it. Right. Because it was invented over in England in and England. it was Cluedo. Yeah. Remember, and we talked about this uh, gentleman, was it World War Two? Yep. And just in, trying to pass time uh, would play during the bombing raids yep. uh, with his wife. Yeah. 
So he was he used to be a pianist. So he was a professional piano player. And he was inspired. He was, so when he was going to big, big fancy parties, people would play a parlor murder mystery game called Murder. And so now murder. he's, during the bombings, you're taking shelter. And he's like, I used to see this game. And he, then they played it out effectively on a board. And once the war is over, he takes it to a company called Waddington's and sells it to them. They change it to Cluedo, which is Clue as we know it, and Ludo, which is Latin to play. And I guess there's a game where there was a game in England that was Ludo, so that was a more... It was like a spin. Yeah. So spin on popular culture. Yeah, so they, they're like, oh, this is a different Ludo kind of game. It's a clue Ludo, so it's that mystery game. Um, and then very quickly, so Waddington's and Parker Brothers have a relationship. And once they get a hold of Cluedo... They are then like, hey, Parker Brothers, we got this game. And Parker Brothers then buy the rights of it in 1949, uh, and they change it to Clue. And there are some small changes, very minuscule. Some of the names of the characters, some of the uh, uh, weapons are a little different, like uh, leading is the lead pipe, and that's just a terminology difference. You, uh, I was going to say, you guys got some weird words over there, yeah. but <laughs> you don't live there anymore. <laughs> But yeah, and, and that's it. And and they, they sell it over here as Clue and as we know it today. And again, very successful. Still very successful. Yeah. I freaking love Clue. Yeah. But oh. they're, they, they're, uh, their partner company's Waddington's, which is who makes, grab that. Yeah, you're, he brought out some vintage games here. How <laughs> old is this Monopoly that I'm sitting next to? I don't know. To? Oh, th th no, that's Authors. Yeah, no, no, but how much? 61. 61. 1961. Yeah. So it would have been made here in Salem. No. No? No, no. That's an English monopoly. Oh. Why do you have that? Oh, because you're English. So, but but it's, it's a Parker Brothers game published by Waddington's. So if you open up the board, it says copyright Parker Brothers oh. manufactured by Waddington's. Where'd you get that? Uh, one of the Salem Fleas. No way. Yeah. How did it find its way over here? <laughs> what am I looking at here? I don't know. This is a game called Authors. Uh, I think I got that, or that's that's actually uh, my roommate's. I'm obsessed with the box. I know, isn't it gorgeous? It's. I love the way this is like the old ads that they yeah. used to do. It's like that the uh, Parker Brothers game, the um, the Office Boy. Did you see that one? I did not. So the Office Boy is a good old game where you play like a young office assistant, uh, and you're supposed to then learn how to be a good office assistant. <laughs> you know, some of their games just don't sound like that much fun. <laughs> so look at the cover of Office. We should, we'll, we'll, we'll throw some of these up for you guys so you can see Hell as well. yeah. But look at the cover of Office. Boy. Oh my God. <laughs> it's a little man. It's not it's a It's more boy. like a hobbit. <laughs> it's like a small sized. man. That's but so look, weird. Look behind. Those boats? Yes, yeah, so that's like the Salem Harbor. Oh, my God. It's almost like Derby's portrait. Right. Exactly. Oh, he's got a window behind him and you With can like, see a bunch of ships. Yeah. Some tall ships and some other some other things. That's great. But yeah. So that's clearly one of those uh, uh, um, pop culture s games that was probably around for a little while because of whatever reason. And you played it and then the next thing would come out like, you know, the Klondike thing or that thing or. Oh, yeah, this one, the game of authors, copyrighted 1897. Yeah. This is very cool. Very cool. Yeah, and then that Monopoly, you want to grab that? So it's Monopoly, property 
trading game manufactured in Great Britain by John Waddington Company. Uh-huh. Um, London and Leeds under license from the Parker Brothers. Very cool. Yeah. And then the, the board game. So is it like, what are the properties like? Are They're probably reflective of that area, right? Yeah. That's cool. So Monopoly, trademark. Let me see that board. So exactly the same, except you have Old Kent, Whitechapel, Islington, uh, Whitehall, all the way around Fleet Street, Trafalgar Square. And then we have... Uh, Mayfair and Park Lane, of course, is the high ends. It looks Oxford ex- Regent. Exactly the same. No, like literally. It looks exact. I'm like stunned. It's <laughs> from the 60s. Yeah. So look in the middle under Monopoly. Copyright Parker Brothers. Yeah. With 35. 1946. And then 1961. And 1961. This is really neat, Jeffrey. <laughs> this is very cool. Right. I dig it. So that's Monopoly. That's Clue. Some of their big contenders. But uh, Porge, jo- <laughs> Porge, poor George uh, Swinnerton Parker died in September 1952 at the ripe old age of 85. It's pretty good. And he is buried in Harmony Grove Cemetery. Again, another famous person that I did not have any idea. I mean, I knew he was in there, but I've never seen his no, grave. Oh, yes. I don't think I've ever seen his grave. Uh, we, yeah. I don't think we did. Mm, I think you're lying. Nope. Okay. But I'm going to go in and check it out didn't, soon. Didn't we, t- we talked about that in the cemeteries one. We talked about him being buried there, but we didn't go see it. So that's on my to-do list this week. Okay. So I don't think he lived to see the only board game that outsold Monopoly. This. No way. It did not outsell Monopoly. The first year. Are you serious? 100%. Go ask John. No way. Yeah. That's, I'm, I'm <laughs> stunned. How did you get that? Did you try again? <laughs> That's weird. That's weird. <laughs> That's weird. Away. That's weird. Ooh. <laughs> okay. Guys, I don't know if you just heard that, but Jeffrey's computer just went off because My- we're talking about the Ouija board. <laughs> For the first time. We always sit here with our laptops open, and as soon as I talk about the Ouija board, my computer is like, I'm sorry, could I help you with that? Ah, that's freaky. Okay, that, was, that was a little strange. I'm a little freaked out. That was out of all the times that, yeah. Yeah, I know. So when uh, William Fold dies and the Parker Brothers acquire the rights to, to the Ouija board, um, it's so popular that it outsells Monopoly. Wow. We still have to play my custom Ouija board behind me. Yes, shout out yeah. to Mike Page. Absolutely. So he dies, but the company does not just go away. Uh, his remaining family mem- members, obviously there's a bunch of them working at the company. They take over, and it stays within the family until about 1968 when it was sold to General Mills, and it would go over. it would go through a series of changes over the following 25 years over the 25 years to follow. But it was still the Parker Brothers Company. Like, that's what it was known as. Right. So sometimes when companies acquire other companies, they change, which will happen soon with, with the Parker Brothers. But I think they realized how recognizable yeah, that name is. Yeah. Like you would the logo. Get, yes. Which, by the way, I saw some theories on the origin of the logo. So it's a spiral thing, uh-huh. right? And uh, a lot of old games were like a spiral board. 
Ooh. You, you know what I'm talking about? Uh-huh. So like you would play it to the center or the other way around. Yeah. And that was just, I read it in a couple articles that that might be what it is. That's cool. Yeah. Cool to know. But anyway. Again, they keep their name. It's mm-hmm. more of like a division. It's not like absorbed into the company. I mean, it is. It's acquired yeah. by General Mills, but it becomes its own division within the company. And it's at that point they start producing the first Nerf balls. Yeah. Which I had no idea. So there's a great uh, show on Netflix I think I've talked about before, The Toys That Made Us. Oh, I love those types of shows, The um, Movies That Made Us, Toys That Made Us. Yeah. Uh, so they And I looked to, to check if there was like a, if there was an episode of Monopoly or any, and there's not. I'm surprised. It's, it's a lot of 80s. So uh, Power Rangers, Ninja Turtles, Lego. Lego's a phenomenal one. Yep. I have um, seen that one. And I guess there is, they haven't done a season four, but if they're, if they do do a season four, Nerf is planned as one of the things. Which means they got to talk about Salem. Yeah. So hopefully, hopefully that will happen. Netflix, if you're listening. Hit us up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll throw some Nerf footballs around the common. Oh, so cool. It's Nerf or nothing. Nerf or nothing. <laughs> right? That's the slogan. Is that really the slogan? How do you know that? You're a boy. Sorry, that was gender stereotypical. <laughs> I played with Nerf too. Um, so they oh, also. I, I watched cartoons, the commercials. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. The kids these days, yeah. they'll never know the joy that would come over us as those cart or those toy commercials yeah. came on. So they also built a headquarters over in Beverly during this time, 1977. And it's around the late 70s, early 80s that they start producing electronic versions. So, like, times are changing, and they're keeping up with it. They're also responsible for toys such as Cabbage Patch Kids and Care Bears. Which is really neat. Uh, They got some great action figures in there. And they also uh, have the first Star Wars video games. Did you play those? I did not. Mm. So, A, uh, they all came out even before I was born, but just barely. Uh, I never played on an Atari. Same. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I mean that's I should. So, uh, I never I had Nintendo, and we had a Nintendo sixty four. We had a, an original Nintendo, and uh, I had some friends. We, we always had the the nice new things. Um, we had my father worked on Wall Street, so you know, um. But I had friends who always had the nice new things. I remember when one of my friends got the the Sega Genesis and whatnot. And like as an adult, I'm trying to like look back and be like, why didn't he have an Atari? Like, why didn't uh-huh. I ever play an Atari? Like, and I just I don't have an, I don't know. It just it just, it just never happened. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. So when people are like, oh, Atari, I'm like, I'm like. I'm like just a little young to like have really been there because I was really there. Is for that Nintendo. like the first one? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah Atari is the first one, and these ones came out in '79, '80, and '83, I think. Um, but they're like side-scrolling games, which are pretty standard. But there's like lightsaber action in some of them, and but yeah, no, I never played in the Atari. So I saw these and I was like, and I clicked through them and I was like, oh, they're all for the Atari, which means I never played them. I didn't have to look. Aww. Yeah, a little sad. Be fun if we could get our hands on them now. Uh, probably I, play I would, for like five minutes and then be done. <laughs> I would. I, I have a Nintendo emulator. I can play every 
single Nintendo game on my TV. Oh. Yeah. Uh, I need to have a game night. I was going to say, the uh, the game store downtown, I know, has Ataris. Can see if we could get an Atari and play one of the games that was made in Salem. Just borrow it for a night. Yeah. Uh, but going on from that, what were you saying? So they're producing all these games, doing what they're doing. General Mills then merged with a subsidiary. 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 Thank you. Of theirs, Kenner Toys. And this mm-hmm. is when we get the first name change. This is back in 18, sorry, <laughs> 1985. It became known as Kenner Parker Toys. The company then became acquired by Tonka in 88. So just three years later. And in 91, Tonka and Parker Brothers were sold to Hasbro for $516 million. That was the end. We all remember that. Well, some of us remember that. I, that's not, like, do you remember when it happened? Um, I was, I don't think this would have grabbed my attention. So, like, as a kid, right, so I was nine, so I was, like, neck deep in toys, in action figures, in Star Wars, in Ninja Turtles, in, you know. Yeah, but did you know, like, the companies? I, like, as an adult, I remember, like, looking back and I remember the Kenner logo. Uh, I remember the Parker Brothers logo. And I remember, like, things... Things changing. Things changing. That's cool. And, like, I don't... Probably, like, nine, ten-year-old me didn't realize... You, know, I, you don't know, like, the logistics behind it. Yeah, but, but, like, you know there's something different about it. Yeah, but now all of a sudden the boxes are different. And yeah. the logos are different. And it wasn't what I had last... Like, I went to get new toys. I'm like, these toys... They're the same. It's like it's the new Ninja Tur- Turtles toy, but the packaging's different, or the the things different, or like on the because it was also like the uh, um, box top receipts. Oh yes, gotta yeah. collect them. Right. So then, and then you'd cut them out and send them away. Mm-hmm. So so I remember like today. I, I'm guessing, and I don't know. Kids don't look at the box back of box. Right. Yeah, you would sit at breakfast, eat your cereal, and look at the back of the cereal box. Yeah. So I do the same thing with toys. Or you'd get the toys and sometimes you could send away. Like, do you remember uh, uh, we talked about the, the I think, the Boba Fett toy with Dr. Vitka? That he yes. Got? Yeah. So that was only acquirable through a mail away. Right. Right. So it's something that we were actually looking at. At Like, again, today, you're they're probably not. No. They'd say, what, they'd be like, <laughs> what's a box top? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So I, rem- I remember things changing. Yeah. Wow. And then you're and, old. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> and there's Hasbro. And I look at this and Hasbro and of course, um, so uh they're acquired by Hasbro, which also owned Milton Bradley. And I remember Milton Bradley and they also had like adverts and so they also they have all these commercials and that's another reason that it sticks in my head mm-hmm. because they all had like sound clips, you mm. know, by Kenner da, 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 yeah. you know, and Milton Bradley, you know, whatever <laughs> the thing is. And they're like, they're like stored in the back of my head. I can like, you know, pull them out. Oh, yeah. that's wild. How uh, when's the last time these were pulled out? I, <laughs> uh, fairly frequently. You um, are a toy man. So I still deal with Hasbro all the time. You are a collector. All the time. All the Star Wars toys behind me are all Hasbro. So Hasbro has like, 
now like uh, Hasbro lives streaming services. So they'll do like Hasbro cons, like new toy would lines say, are coming out. Would you say that they're a monopoly? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the irony. The yeah, uh, they are are very much a monopoly, and uh, there's a lot of toy collectors who don't like that, um, because they they'll change the box, they'll do this, and like there's no recourse, there's no com, there's some competition. I love going to, uh, um, so actually behind me I have a bunch of Star Wars toys, then one Thundercats toy, and the Thundercat toys from a company called Super Seven. So I don't know they like deal in like smaller licenses, right? So Hasbro has uh, uh, G.I. Joe and Thun- uh, sorry, and Star Wars and Transformers and Power Rangers and some of these really big lines. Uh-huh. And so then some of the smaller lines get picked up by like independent toy makers. Okay, and I like that. Yeah, yeah. That's so then cool. you can like, and they'll have like toy conventions where like these different like small toy manufacturers are coming in with like different stuff. It's a whole That's... different like world than I'm used to. <laughs> it's interesting though. Yeah. So like reading this is like, and I knew Kenner and I knew Milton Bradley. And of course, Milton Bradley and Parker brothers were rivals because Milton Bradley's out of Rhode Island. Uh... Yeah. So it's, they were contemporaries. Uh, Milton Bradley has the game of life. I love that game so much. Yeah, so That's a Milton Bradley game. And they're just down in Rhode Island. So new England is like, game board central in in the the 1900s um and then of course it's a bit of a you know sticking point that uh now the two are together yeah is bought by milton bradley and hasbro's headquarters are actually down in rhode island uh by where the milton bradley headquarters used to be again (laughs) ironic now, what happens to the factories themselves here in Salem? <sighs> they do start, or they do continue operating for a couple more years. They make those Nerf balls mm-hmm. in town, but then eventually factories were shut down, leveled, and the land was developed into apartments. Just like the jail and just like everything else. <laughs> um, they because you know what? Landlords. 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 (laughs) It's so full circle, this episode. So if you're driving down Bridge Street, you'll pass all those yellow apartments. Mm -hmm. That is the location of the old Parker Brothers factory. It's called SoFi. SoFi, am I saying that right? I don't know. They they just changed hands I don't know. It used to be the Bell. The Bell. The Bell is what I know it as. Yeah, it was the Bell a couple years ago. Yep. So Um, When I moved here, I looked at an apartment in there. It's fine. For the longest time, I thought that it was the actual factories themselves. So did I. Yeah, especially since I think their main building, there's like a little museum's not the right word. Like a little little thing. Little yeah. tribute. Tribute, yeah. Yeah. Oh, but yes, it's not. Alas, it is not the old factory buildings. It's kind of a bummer. I don't know what they looked like, but like up in Lowell, a lot of the old mill buildings and a lot of locations in uh massachusetts they've turned those old mills into apartments i love mill apartments they're so good so they're so good so i don't know what the old factory buildings used to look like probably just like that if they if that would be a real shame yeah jeffrey (laughs) although now that i say that out loud i feel like that might not be true because most of the mill buildings are from the mid 1800s Mm, and this did go up much early 1900s yeah yeah you're probably right they might and they some of them went up from what it seems relatively quickly. Yeah. So they might not have been, they weren't brick, like for sure. 
No. And if you are walking down Bridge Street on the side of the apartments, keep your eyes peeled. Right in the center, there is a little wayside sign that details some of the history of the Parker Brothers and shows you a map of where the old uh, buildings were located. Yeah. I'd seen in an article I was reading, I think it was from the Salem Gazette or someone at some point, that uh, at some point, uh, former mayor, now uh, Lieutenant Governor Kim Driscoll, uh, was pushing for a Parker Brothers Museum. <gasps> that would have been so cool. Yeah, which I think would be, I think we should still push for that. Yeah. Like that would be, that that's, would be. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Especially as like a city spawn, like you're going to private museum is one thing you know we have all sorts of museums in town but like to have a federally i mean i don't know where you know what i mean a publicly sponsored like a not not a not a private yeah money making machine yeah a an educational well thought out yeah historical yeah museum yeah. yes and you could have all sorts of like all the different games, you could have the. Well, I mean, we do have some of that in the PEM. Yeah, there's a, there's a teeny tiny little. There's a couple references. Yeah, it is in the Salem A to Z exhibit. The, yeah, yeah. Are they under P? No. No, they're under something else. I think it's like game G. G might be under G. It's in the first. Remember, it goes A to Z, guys. Quarter Salem A, a to Z. C D E F. It's got to be G. It's got to be G for games, or is it? Nope. Emma's McIntyre. P. Nope. Yeah, it's got to be G for games. Be a fun quiz. <laughs> <laughs> what is, what? name all 26. Sounds like something that would be on the tour guide test. <laughs> tour guide test. So I have a cute little fun, uh, it's not a little tidbit, it's a big tidbit, oh. but a little gem that I came across while I was doing research. So there was an oral history project that was led by a Salem State college now uh-huh. salem state university professor by the name of john j fox back in 1986 so general mills had just absorbed kenner toys and it became kenner parker toys mm-hmm. so i think that's like kind of the beginning of the end like i think people could see that it was coming to it's the end of an era is nearing so this salem state college professor takes it upon himself to do a set of interviews with former and current employees of the company. Very neat. One was a worker who knew George S. Parker, George Swinnerton, uh, back in the 1910s. Also the former secretary, personal secretary to George. Family members, including his son-in-law, grandson, grandnephew, all who worked for the company. A woman who cut jigsaw pieces for 30 years. Because they also did uh, jigsaw puzzles, which yes. I don't think we mentioned. Nope, we didn't. But don't worry, I got some stuff okay, on that. Okay. And then a gentleman who worked for the company for 47 years. And that's just to name a few. So it's so it's so crazy because, again, we talk about a whole litany of different things about Salem. But it's very seldom that we get a topic that's contemporary enough where we can get to hear from the actual people that interacted with George that were on the factory floor. I picked out three just to go over real quick. Um, Three very different people. I'm going to link everything in the show notes. Uh, You can listen to the media files and then you can also read transcripts of all the interviews. So I didn't read them all. Um, I was pressed for time, but from what I did see, as long as you're not pressed for an answer, I think we're good. (laughs) Oh, that's so good, Jeffrey. <laughs> that was so good. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> oh, I really want to hit the laugh button. Oh, 
that. There you go. That works too. So I wanted to start with a woman. Her name was Angie Gannon, and she started working for Parker Brothers back in 1927 at the age of 19, and she worked there all the way till 1971. She said there wasn't much work at the time. Again, they're in the middle of the Depression. Actually, no, this is before the Depression. That's, that's post-World War one, yeah, that's and just after the fire because the crash starts in 29. But again, makes sense that there wasn't a lot of work because the fire 1914, mm-hmm. a lot of factories work moved out. Um, Salem's just trying to rebuild, but Parker Brothers were hiring. She had worked as a shoe stitcher for some time, but most of the shoe factories had moved north, and she was earning $12 a week, uh, about a fourth of what she was getting as a stitcher. She said, quote, I remember going to work at 7 o'clock in the morning and one hour for lunch until 5 o'clock. So that's more than 44 hours, 7 to 12 on Saturday. Uh, She said the pay got better after Roosevelt stepped in with a new deal. Shocking how that works. All right. Sorry. Sorry. (laughs) She, uh, She worked with puzzles for 30 years and said that each puzzle was cut individually by hand. They would have multiple women just at these benches with these very thin saws. She said the saws came from France. They were super (laughs) nice. Um, She said the the puzzles would be based on their pieces, their piece size. So it was a penny a piece. So if you had a 100-piece puzzle, it would be a dollar. If you had a 500-piece puzzle, it would be $5 because it took longer to cut. Not only were they cut by hand, they were also, like, designed by hand. They painted them by hand. Um... And she said you could just design whatever you wanted, whatever you were feeling that day. And she goes on to describe one that she had in her possession when she's doing this interview. It's called My Neighbor's House. It's a very pretty one, she said. She says, well, it's an old-fashioned house. Like, I would say, let's go down Derby Street here, which has the old-fashioned homes. And it had a white fence with bushes and things, you know. And a man is out on the sidewalk. And then you see the street. And in the background, there's the water down the Salem willows and uh, John kind of laughed a little bit and he goes where I lived I lived in the Salem willows she said you did he said yes I did down on Fort Avenue so it was just really cool to read these stories and these conversations because they're they're yeah in our backyard it was really neat that's that's pretty cool Louis Vane started just at the age of 17 in 1935. Oh, see, there you go. Uh-huh, right. So this one is right in the middle of the Depression. No one was hiring, he said, but that's when Monopoly took off. He said that was the year Monopoly started. That's when we were working, well, I was working, let's see, seven, six days a week, 12 hours, well, six nights a week, 12 hours a night, 72 hours a week, and that was going 24 hours a day, six days a week, and that's all we made was Monopoly. Well, that's clearly how you chunk out 20,000 games a week. That's how they did it. Yep. He worked in the printing department, so they printed everything from, like, the labels to instructions. And uh, he does go on to describe George Parker a little bit. <coughs> they uh, John asked him if he knew George Parker yeah. at the time. He said, oh, sure. I knew, well, nobody knew George Parker except the family. He used to walk through the plant like he was up on a pedestal, and he'd look down on workers because we were peons. <laughs> he wouldn't look left or right. He'd come through there maybe once a week, once a month. He was a tall man, over six foot in them days. That was tall. And 
he had a Van Dyke beard, a big man. He'd strut down here like he was God Almighty. (laughs) And he'd just nod his head. That was it. A nod of the head. And that was it. So I love like getting these. I wish we had these descriptions for like all of the people that we talk about. Yeah. Like Caroline Emerton. She wasn't even that much further back, but we have nothing for her. This is gold. He talks about um, also how much Monopoly, the craze, like it, the way he describes it, it reminded me of the craze on toilet paper. Like they would get orders by the basket and it would just keep coming. And just when you think, like I guess George would be a little nervous about the amount they were producing and it just kept going. I, kept saw, going. I saw or I read that at some point it kind of plateaued uh, dipped a little bit right like it was great it was great and and he's like whoo okay we're in the clear and then he's like stop and then it was just a hiccup and it just kept kept going yeah so it was like up 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 oh dip and he's like ah there it is like it can't go anymore he's like okay we're good no more monopoly and then like within weeks it just kept going kept going yeah it was a frenzy he said And the last one I'll mention is this woman, Helen Mitchell. She was the personal secretary for George Swinnerton. So she knew him pretty well. She said, when when asked when she started working there, she said, well, oddly enough, it's the one day I remember, January 6th, 1936. I'm never quite sure what year I was married, but (laughs) but I always remember the year that I worked for the Parker Brothers. Um... They asked her, you know, what made you get a job there? What made you go to the Parker Brothers? She said, it's the depression. It was the depression, you know. My 17th birthday was actually the day, October 29th, 1929. This is a little bit of a long stretch, but I want to, she's so well-spoken. I just want to give you her story. She said, I was a senior in high school. And when I finished high school, I was lucky enough to be able to have two years at the Chandler School for Women in Boston. And when I graduated... Of course, jobs were few and far between. But in those days, you didn't just sit around and worry about it. You went out and took anything you could get. I had jobs as a chauffeur. I worked at department stores. And then at one point, I decided it was time. This went on for three or four years. Then I decided that I'd go to the dictaphone company in Boston just to brush up on typing and that sort of thing. And oddly enough, they called me because Parker Brothers had called them for a secretary. So they called me, and I went over for an interview. I was to be there for two weeks, and when I finally retired, 41 years had gone by. (laughs) I wasn't permanent there, though. I worked 11 years, and then we bought the house. We bought this house. I was going to stay home, and then when they'd get extra busy or something happened, I'd go back and fill in. And then when Mr. George Parker became ill, someone had to take care of their personal business. So I went and worked at the house. So you're working at the house with the Parker family and took care of their personal business. And when he died, then I stayed on with Mrs. Parker for 11 years until she died. And of course, working with her, she told me many things about their lives so that I really knew him. But I knew him very well in the office, too. He had sort of retired And they'd gone to Peterborough. Ah. Mm -hmm. And then when Monopoly Rush really took off, he came back into the company. So that's how I got the job. She she said that she got $18 a week, but she was told to keep that hush-hush because (laughs) uh, she was getting more than the other girls, which Mm -hmm. if you remember. Yeah, 12. uh, Yep. And 
She also gives us a description of George Parker, much more favorable than our last (laughs) guy. She says, Mr. George Parker was very tall. He had a sort of rudy complexion and beautiful white hair and his white goatee. (laughs) And he always wore Scott weeds and he always had coats, the balmican type that sort of swung in the back when he walked. And he stood as straight as an arrow when he was very tall. But he never came into the office without opening the door into our office and saying, good morning, ladies. And then he'd go across the hall and open that door and say, good morning, ladies, even if it was two o'clock in the afternoon. (laughs) (laughs) But the thing that was so wonderful about him was that he knew everyone. He knew everyone by name. He knew all the people in the factory, and he did a great many things for the people in the company that no one ever really knew anything about. If they had an illness in the family or something of that nature, he took care of it. He was probably one of the most brilliant men I have ever known. <sighs> yeah, she had so much, so much uh, cool information to share. Lots of fun little stories and anecdotes. And that was just three of the almost uh, nine, as I said, interviewees. So I'll link those in the show notes. If you, they're pretty short. If you want to go check them out, that's pretty neat. So fun to read first person. This was fun. Yeah. I got I got one more thing real quick. The Parker Brothers company invented ping pong. You mentioned that earlier in the episode. Yeah. I did not know it until tonight. Yeah. So not actual, like, so ping pong, I guess, is the game. Uh-huh. So, which is what we, like, Kleenex, though, it's a brand. Okay. So table tennis is the sport. Okay. Right, which has been played for ages. But, of course... It is now an Olympic sport and has been since, like, I think 1988 or Uh something. But the original, like, boards and paddles and the plastic ball is what made it cool. So the Parker brothers are the ones who come up with a little celluloid ball and they start to to produce the game ping pong. So not only do we get Nerf and Monopoly. But we have ping pong, too. We also get ping pong. So many staples of our childhood. It's great. <laughs> I love all the old labels. Yeah. And I, I was also reading, I tried to confirm this in like a couple other places and couldn't couldn't find it. Uh, but there was an article that was talking about it and the balls were highly flammable. <laughs> so you could like be playing ping pong or you could like take the ball and be like, and it would like burst into flame. Uh-huh. I'm sure there's some YouTube videos <laughs> out there. If, if I mean, they're, they're the old plastic, old, old, old plastic. Hey, Parker Brothers. Yeah, check your check your game boxes, guys. Yeah, you might have a Parker Brothers something. So check your parents, to be fair, or if you have a game from your parents. Uh, and I, I, I say that as as someone, uh, you know, midlife. But yeah, we got to go quite a few decades back, but it's not unreasonable. Yeah, if you got a game from the, I mean, from uh, up until I think the mid 80s, early 90s, so 91 in the latest, but even uh, the factories are still here in the late 80s and stuff like that, even when it's um, Tonka and Kenner and whoever else. But yeah, if, I, know, I know a lot of people like, oh, I have my mom's whatever, the Ouija board or the Monopoly game, my parents or this. Check it. I'll say Salem on it. Made in Salem, Mass. Yeah. Just like George Swinnerton Parker. And hand cut these puzzles. Ugh. The colors. The, yeah, it's pretty neat. So cool. So many cool things about this topic. Like all of our other topics, yeah. Salem's cool. 
I was I was actually just asked about this Wednesday night. How like what did they ask? Oh, we're talking about the podcast. Like, are you gonna do a Parker Brothers episode? Oh, nice. And I was like, well, heck yeah, that's really weird that, that came up. Yeah, yeah. Long time coming. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Yeah, and Still we're not doing- done yet. We got games to play. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. Maybe we'll tack on Salemopoly in one of these uh, future episodes. And Risk. Yeah. Oh, I want to take you. <laughs> I need, I really want to play you in Risk. <laughs> I hope you're ready. Challenge accepted. Nice. Nice. But uh, I think that's all we got. Thanks for listening. See you later.